Hey everybody, before we get started, I just wanted to jump on because we are so excited to announce that Restore Registration is officially open. We can't wait to be with you again this year. It's going to be on September 5th through 7th at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy, Utah. That's the evening of September 5th and then all day on the 6th and the 7th. Three days of incredible speakers, poets, musicians, and artists. We really think that what we have planned will blow you away again this year, so you won't want to miss it. Go to faithmatters.org slash restore for tickets and we'll see you there. Hey everybody, this is Aubrey Chavez from Faith Matters. For today's episode, we're doing something a little bit different. With all of the exciting things happening at Faith Matters, we thought that it would be a good time to take a step back and take stock of what we've done and share more about where we're going. We also take some time to discuss the questions about Faith Matters that we hear most often and share more about our purpose and approach. Tim and I were joined by one of Faith Matters founders, Bill Turnbull, as well as Faith Matters' new executive director, Zach Davis, who will be a voice that you'll continue to hear on the podcast. We want to send all of you a huge thank you, as always, for listening and for supporting us. And with that, we'll jump right in. All right. Well, I am sitting here with a group of remarkable people. Uh, Aubrey, my wife, good to see you. you. Um, And also Bill Turnbull and Zach Davis. Hey, guys. Hey, Tim. Hi, Tim. Aubrey. Uh, It's good to be with all of you. Today, we're, we're going to have a conversation that should be a lot of fun. It's going to be maybe more free-flowing than usual. You, As listeners, you may notice that uh, we don't have every, – everyone here is part of the Faith Matters team. This is the first uh, time that we've done this, and we thought that we would uh, take advantage of this, uh, this moment that we're all together to talk about where Faith Matters has come from and what we're doing and, and where it's going. Um, that sound good to everybody? That yeah. sounds fun. Um, yeah, I think it should be. I, I we think that a good place to start, maybe Bill is is actually with you. You were uh, among the original group of Faith Matters founders that, and that can't be said about anybody else around this around this table. And we were noting interestingly that neither Aubrey nor I, despite our involvement over the past several years, have heard the real origin story of where Faith Matters uh, came to be. So could you give us a little bit of that just background for our own enlightenment? And yeah, maybe it's, um, you know, since COVID, we all have a different sense of chronology now. So yes. Like I might. <laughs> time is <laughs> mostly meaningless at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, space and time are just constructs, so we're going to flow into something. <laughs> so, well, let me uh, – I, I would say that um, I've always wished – so if I go back far enough when I was like, I don't know, Zach's age uh, – and just well, actually, in my during my college experience, I had I had been so well served by the the church in my life. Like, just I encountered God in powerful ways in in my youth, and uh, you know, was led to serve a mission and marry an amazing person, and all in this like uh, the vision that my faith created for me was like really really helpful. And, um, and so I have a very, very strong commitment, as you guys know, because we've spent a lot of time, a lot of time hanging out and talking, but I think you know how my, how deep my commitment to the faith goes. And, um, I feel like it's, uh, like continues to transform me and, and, and fuel that transformation. Uh, I also am aware that <clears throat> when I was, uh, when I reached a certain point and it was really during my college years, my university years at BYU, uh, my faith and the worldview that it provided me began feeling a little small. I was encountering a much broader world, even on my mission. You know, as you're a missionary, I'm in Italy and I love my mission there. But you you encounter people in a certain way and you're not really opening yourself up. You're not really taught to open yourself up to experience their world, maybe the way they do and to really look at 
where our face, what our face place in the world is. So, you know, as I began to um, study, gosh, world history, I was interested in everything. And my, so my, my university days were full of, I was just curious about everything. And I just got to a point um, where uh, I was wondering how uh, my faith, my worldview could really accommodate what I was seeing in the world. Does that sound familiar to all of you guys? Yes. <laughs> now, I'm wondering, though, like, what's co- sort of coming up for me is... Specifically what? Well, no, it's more like, are you sort of euphemizing what we would, in this last decade would call faith crisis? Or it, is that not what you're, is that not what you're saying? I mean, I think, I think eventually it led to some questions about, um, you know, what, what truth claims and historical theme, things that I had to deal with in a different way, right? I, and those, I, I think right now... In, in at this point of time in the church right now, we are in a very difficult and disruptive period. Yes. And there's no doubt about that. Um, we're seeing it. And so I, I experienced like maybe the leading edge of that when I was very young, right? Um, <clears throat> and so I, you know, I, I so two things happened. I, first thing, I was, I became very nourished in, in ways by, People outside of our tradition, you know, people, practices, ideas. Uh, so the excitement that I maybe was beginning to lose for my own faith, I was beginning to find in other places, which was really an, kind of an expansive experience for me. Um, it made me, it helped me identify much to a lot, much greater extent with people outside of our tradition and people in other cultures and people who look at the world different in different ways, but it also like it at the cost maybe of uh, like uh, maybe a full, I, I was never disengaged with the church. I loved, I always loved the church and what it did for my life. But, you know, I, I, I'm well, I'm very familiar with that experience when you're sitting in church and like, is anybody asking the same questions? Right. Or, like, are we, are we still going to just kind of repeat these same formulas and right. keep doing that? And so, yeah. Well, because potentially the church back then was even, well, uh, the way I imagine it, you know, this is sort of an era where, you know, Bruce R. McConkie's at the height of his powers. Like, I, I imagine that church that I didn't really experience. How old as... do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. No, but, but yeah, like, like not, not, not far from it. Like, I had a... I had a copy of Mormon Doctrine, yes. um, like on my mission. And when I, I, I have to say though, I got to a point in my life where that book became uh, distasteful yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the thing about Mormon Doctrine, the thing about the enter, like the project of the church, we were doing a lot of telling people what to think. And in that book, Bruce McConkie tells you about what to think about every single thing. And there's a good reason why we jettisoned that book, and it's not in print anymore. It was it's not a healthy thing to do. But he was also feeding like something that people there there was a demand for that kind of yeah. thing, right? And I I I come from that era when there was a demand for that kind of thing. Yes, yeah. Which which I imagine to be a very <clears throat> sort of constrictive environment. Yeah, and potentially that if you were public in any way with this type of thinking, that it might have you might have received significant pushback. Or is that not right? Yeah, I think that's yeah, sure. I mean, everybody experiences that. Like you asked that question, like it it feels like you've stepped over mm-hmm. um, some boundary somewhere. Yeah. So I had an experience. Can I just share this when yeah, I was, yeah. um, I think this was in around 1990. Um, we, this was a formative experience for me. So we moved into a new ward. 
uh, and this was in Idaho. And we had this like really interesting mix of people in this ward. Uh, some, some real, like genuine intellectuals, T even today, some of the brightest people that I've, that I've known. And, uh, they had caused a little bit of a tumult in the ward because they were like, they wanted to talk about things that the ward was not <laughs> comfortable talking about. Right. And so it was like one of those, I, we moved in this ward and this dynamic already existed. And they had actually, the Bishop had actually disinvited them to participate in Sunday school oh. Whoa. in like in, in gospel doctrine. Right. So that was like, they were, you know, they were sort of made pariahs in their ward. And about this time that Bishop got released and, you know, he was just like dealing with pushback from members. He didn't know really how to deal with this. So he says, could you, would you guys just mind just like not coming to Sunday school? Because it's just caught, I'm, I'm having to deal with too much. And I, you know, like I, I sympathize with him. Um, but, uh, but that's not the right way to handle it. So the next Bishop happened to be my attorney. He was called to be Bishop and and he came to me and we didn't know each other that well, but he'd helped me, he'd helped me set up some businesses. He said he knew enough. He said, I guess he sensed, he said, would you like to teach a Sunday school class for these people? Oh. <laughs> like, that was, so what we did is like, we created this Sunday school class that was, and all we talked about is the fundamental principles of the gospel and like, but in really rich ways. But we also said like any question, you can bring any question, but, um, let's all be sensitive to the, like what spirit that question brings. Like sometimes we need to be disrupted and it's like, it's, it's uncomfortable, but it's uncomfortable in a good way. And sometimes it's, it's coming out of anger or something like that. And we like, can we all just be sensitive to that? So we had this like really rich experience and eventually the class class grew. We had defectors from the other gospel doctrine class. <laughs> like we just given this, like this one classroom, the standard, you know, LDS meeting house classroom. And it kind of was bursting at the wow. seams at, at some point, but I, I think that taught me that, um, like, there is a way to honestly approach real questions, you know, um, that in in a like in a real faithful way. So, you know, I, as I, I always had my eyes out for maybe some somebody that was doing that, right? The the church needs to accommodate the you know the the believer that's just joined and just needs to like become a disciple and learn those those steps and like you know so so the the church can't really like create what we created in that Sunday school class and so um so so who's going to do that the fact is we like we don't live in a world where um everything comes from the top down right there's conversations happening everywhere i wanted to create a space my vision was like to create a space that i would have loved to have when i was your age mm -hmm. you know that was like the broad intention where you can like really explore the power of our faith and also talk about like, like ask hard questions and not like shy away from, them. and then just kind of realize that they're hard, yeah. you know, and, um, and maybe there's, that's where we're supposed to be transforming, you know, that. So I guess I, you use this term, David Brooks term, like the edge of inside, mm -hmm. right? I, I know you like, so I'm going to just, can I get you to share your thoughts about that? Yeah. Well, I can say that I think it's that, and maybe this is an appropriate time for Aubrey and I to talk a little bit about how we got involved. Yeah. Um, but what drew us to Faith Matters was very much the vision that you just, that you just painted. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were, we were searching for, we were searching for space 
uh, the same type of space that you were searching for. I think our faith crisis was more the stereotypical faith crisis, you know, that was brought on by the internet and, uh, you know, just new information that we felt like we had never experienced, you know, and that's sort of like throwing us for a, um, for a loop, you know, um, coming across the work of Terrell Gibbons was instrumental in sort of helping us, um, you know, stick around at least long enough to feel like we could figure something out. I think until we encountered, encountered faith matters, what we were searching for really was certainty. Like I Mm. felt like we were going to stay in long enough to know if quote unquote, the church was true or it was not true. Mm. And then, you know, if, if we, if we found out once and for all that it was true, then we would stay. And if we found out once and for all that it wasn't true and I'm for listeners, I'm air quoting a lot here, (laughs) um, then we would leave. And I think faith matters reframed that entire paradigm for us. Mm. Um, It gave us, it gave us values in faith and even in in religion outside of, outside of belief and, and knowledge. Um, it, it sort of reoriented us um, in terms of real connection to the divine and to our fellow human beings. Um, but sort of necessarily that placed us not in the center of the church anymore, mm. you know, because that I, I think at the center of the church, there is, I mean, there are really valid um and honorable values that are there like belief and like loyalty and duty. Um, but with the paradigm that we sort of took on in those, in those years, we were sort of by default, not in that center center anymore. And this, this idea of the edge of inside started to really resonate with us. Um, maybe I should read a paragraph here from David Brooks. Um, this was published, um, in 2016 and he, he credits Richard Rohr for the original idea. Both these, uh, both of those articles are easily Googleable. Um, but he says, um, a person at the edge of inside can be the strongest reformer. This person has the loyalty of a faithful insider, but the judgment of the critical outsider. Martin, Martin Luther King Jr. had an authentic inner experience of what it meant to be an American. This love allowed him to critique America from the values he learned from America. He could be utterly relentless in bringing America back closer to herself, precisely because his devotion to American ideals was so fervent. Hmm. I Aubrey, it. I feel like I, you need to... Well, I just, this is super interesting, Bill, because I, I really haven't ever heard the, how this all started. And, and what you're describing is exactly the thing that not, we weren't just searching for, like we were desperate for, like when you talk about the classroom bursting at the seams, like we were bursting at the seams, like our, our, I know a lot of people don't resonate with the term faith crisis, but for us, that was the word, like our world was falling apart. And so Terrell is the first person that I ever heard who just, who had a real piece about these, about the uncertainty. And it, and we were just so hungry to hear more people model this, this way of being in the world, this way of having faith without, and, and not certainty. Because up until that point, I really, I use those words interchangeably, like, or, or I use certainty and faith interchangeably, like the stronger your faith, the more certain you were. And so it was, it was really destabilizing to start being honest with myself about questions because it felt like what it meant is I didn't have faith. And so there was so much shame that I would go to church in, in just so much pain because I felt, it felt very inauthentic. I felt like we were hiding this secret, which was that 
we didn't have a testimony. Like we did not have testimonies and it was terrifying. And that, that was the, that was the only way I could describe the experience that I was having. And even though I think the whole experience happened because we had the best of intentions, like we, we were so committed that it was in an effort to learn more and to understand more and to be, I mean, you know, I, I read, like really got into church history out of the most honest belief that I could desensitize myself to like the pain of it all. Like if I could just get, if I could read everything I could find about polygamy, it wouldn't hurt so much. And then I would be able to see God's hand mm -hmm. and like the opposite happened, like everything fell apart. And so hearing Terrell and Richard Bushman was another of those very first few voices in Fiona that they, they knew all of the hardest parts of the history and, and they were still, um, they were, they were staying and they were, and they were growing and, and finding value. And it didn't come from this place of absolutely knowing that the church was true in the way that I had always believed I was supposed to know. They, they were there and finding value because of the hard things, because they were wrestling with all of the hard things. And, and so out of desperation, we were reaching for this, for what faith matters became. And it was, it was Thomas in a really recent conversation said that there's a way that sincere seeking well, let's see, how did he put it? Like there's, there's a way that way leads to way if there's real sincere searching. And that is exactly what it felt like. It was out of desperation that we sort of found ourselves in these, in these circles over and over again with the same people who kept, who kept, um, resonating with that energy of, of just like wrestling being a good thing and not a shameful thing. And yeah. that's something that I hadn't ever heard articulated or experienced before. And it was just, it was such a, a different kind of relief up until that point. I think we were reaching for apologetics and, or anything that would, that would, um, dispel the dissonance. And so a lot of times that looks like just give me an easy answer because then I'll stop having to feel how uncomfortable yeah, this is. Yeah. And this was a new kind of peace. It was a, it was a peace inside all of the dissonance and I'd never experienced that before. And so it, it felt like, it felt like the first place that we could really rest inside all of our questions. Well, and can I just say like what you just said really resonates with what David Brooks said here. Like this love allowed him to critique America from the values he learned from America. And like, I mm -hmm. feel like you're describing like struggling with what you were encountering, encountering within quote unquote Mormonism because of the values that you learned from Mormonism in a very healthy, you know, yeah. first half of life that said, honesty is important. Equality is important. Love is important. And you were the distance that you're describing is saying, wait a second, I'm learning things that don't look like those values that I have deeply yeah. embedded in me because of my religious upbringing. And how do I deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think there's, and, and by the way, you mentioned like there are apologetics organizations that like the, basically their, their job is to play defense. And I think they serve a, an admirable role, probably, probably a necessary role. That's not what we do though. That's not, that's not the enterprise that I'm interested in. We like, I think, I feel like we play offense at faith matters. We we're confident enough in the truths that, that the, the, the gospel affords us that we're, we can also look at like that, that we can take those to the world and we can also look at like what, what work we still have to do. And, and uh, so we have something at faith matters that we call the Gottman ratio that, and that come that derives from uh, John and Julie Gottman, the the really outstanding uh, marriage and family researchers. And they, I, I read a book, and he he has this he had this ratio. He says if you want to be in, they they found in all of their um, clinical work that if um, if if they're 
sitting across the table from a couple and in their interactions, they weren't saying five positive things for each critical thing, at least five, right? That was like, there's a breaking point below five that, that the marriage was probably, that relationship was probably going to end, you know? Well, so it's an act of love actually to affirm and to be positive toward your community of faith. I, I consider like my relationship with the church, a relationship like, and so I think, why wouldn't those same, uh, why wouldn't those same principles apply? And so we broadly sort of try to apply this Gottman ratio and faith matters. We better, we better see if we're not saying at least five positive things for every negative thing, we're probably entering into a toxic relationship, even though you don't know it. Yeah. It's really, really easy to scan what you see in, in, you know, in, in your activity or, or experience in the church and scan for negative things. And you can come up with all kinds of them. So we like, what are we, but we can also train ourselves to scan for, um, you know, for the things that are really enriching and helpful. Yeah. So we try to like, we try to do that, but that said, there's still that one, like five to one, right? It's not five to nothing. And so like, if that's called denial, right? So one is a loving relationship and another is like living in denial or, and so we're, we, we try to, we try to strike that balance but, balance as best we can. I'm, you know, we're probably not perfect. Well, let's, it, but. okay. I have yeah. an idea. Zach, well, I was going to say, could you give us some like really honest feedback on if we're doing that yeah. as someone that was so, uh, external to faith matters until a few months ago, I'm curious and who went through the painstaking, I will say, uh, work of listening to every single faith matters <laughs> podcast. And I apologize just for so many things, uh, but thank you for doing that. So I'd be curious, like having recently done that, like, are we, are we sticking to the Gottman ratio? What's been, what was your sort of perspective going through that catalog of work? Yeah, to me, it was that forward-looking spirit that I felt about Faith Matters that drew me so much. Um, I also, in my 20s, went through a faith crisis, very painful. Um, and I don't know why, but I did find within myself reasons to stay. Um, I started to think of faith more like a commitment than an internal assertion of belief. But about a, a year ago or more, I, though I was active, I wouldn't say I was growing spiritually. I didn't feel like I was moving forward. I felt like I'd found equilibrium. I'd found a way to endure but it wasn't growing spiritually, but I started to feel that hunger for this. And one of the things that I had found so inspiring is um, that I was living in Boston and there's a historian there named Laurel Thatcher Ulrich. And she and I had been hosting these monthly conversations uh, and we called them second Sunday. And the idea was that they could be maybe a little bit like your, your Sunday school, uh, a space to explore any question with depth, um, with curiosity. And one of the things- That's an extraordinary conversation partner you managed to look at. <laughs> you, might, you might tell like how that, so you were maybe a little bit more about why you were in Boston and a tiny bit about your, your background because it's super interesting. Yeah. Um, I moved to Boston in 2012 and I was really interested in- using new technologies to teach people about the humanities, 
books and culture and philosophy and art. Um, so I got involved at Harvard making online courses in the humanities. And the first course that I got assigned in this new job was with someone I'd never heard of, Laurel Ulrich. Oh, really? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, they assigned her to me because they'd heard I was Mormon and they knew she was Mormon. So like, oh, obviously you guys <laughs> should fit together. Um, and um, so she was in my ward um, and we started to get to know each other. And while we were waiting for a video shoot in the, in the summer sun, um, we started thinking about having this conversation um, series at her house in Cambridge. So we started doing this. And um, one of the lessons that she would teach in her responses and uh, in, her, in her conversation was that all of us as members are responsible for the church. And she really resisted this idea that you just wait for somebody else to make the church the way you want it. Um, and so um, over and over, she and I ended up developing this kind of critique of a franchise model um, where somebody just prints out the same thing and rather that all of us are involved in this. Um, and Clayton Christensen, um, was also a mentor and, um, somebody that all of us in New England looked to, and he also would talk about how, you know, uh, primary and, uh, release site and all these different programs, they came from the membership and they were, uh, answering God's call for us to make the restoration, not a one-time event, but an unfolding event. Um, so, you know, about a year ago though, I, I was just feeling this stronger desire to grow spiritually and not just be uh, static. And um, I met with Spencer Fluman and he said, you really need to learn about Bill Turnbull and what Faith Matters is doing. And so I started listening. And I mean, right off the bat, the conversations that had been occurring with Tom Christofferson and Thomas McConkie and Terrell and Patrick Mason, it was so different than what I'd really encountered before. And it had a very joyful and positive forward-looking spirit you you said in there um in your comments like laurel said <clears throat> something about making the church the way you want it hmm. um and I, I i think so what i that could be heard you could hear that a couple of different ways right um i think we have gotten into a really bad habit of looking at the church as this institution headquartered at, you know, whatever that address is at the church office building, you know, and we have begun to, I don't think Joseph Smith in his day, in the early days of the church, they didn't think of the church that way. I think they literally thought of the church as this thing that they were building together. And it was like this relationship that they enjoyed together, right? That was the church. Now we look at it like as an institution with a particular message. I, I love, I think we need to get, we're at that point where we need to start looking at the church as us again, mm -hmm. right? Which does not mean that I get to make the church the way I want it, but it does mean I can express it in a particular way and live it in a particular way. And um, I, I'm not insisting, like I don't, I, I'm not say, saying that my way is the way. I don't think it is. I think Faith Matters is going to appeal, like it has a particular flavor to it and a spirit to it that's going to appeal to, what we do is going to appeal to a certain um a segment of people and it won't appeal to some others. Right. And I'm fine with that. Like 
I'm absolutely 100% fine with that. And we don't have like this goal of reforming the church. Um, we're, some people wonder if like we're this progressive organization. And you guys, would you guys call me progressive? I don't know. No. I know you would. I know you'd get very mad at me if I called you progressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, to me, to me, progressive means those are people who know they're already there and they're just waiting for everybody to catch up to them, right? Like, you know where this is going to go. And I genuinely, like in a lot of these questions, I genuinely don't know. Um, But I do know we need to struggle through some of these things and figure it out. And we all need to be involved in this. I mean, if we are involved as a community in addressing some of these most difficult things, then we will ultimately, it will, we will resolve it, but we have to take like the moral um, responsibility to do that. So I'm sorry. That was just like, yeah. I, when I heard that, I thought, I think it's really important that we change our language around what we mean by church. Yeah. The church. Okay. And which is not to disrespect the leadership of the church, which I'm, you guys know, I have a very high regard for. Um, and, but, but we also, um, we we need to think of what is our responsibility. At, we we need to start thinking of the church as the body of Christ, as a community of believers, and and quit making the church an object outside of us. Yeah. It's yeah. not an object outside of us. Like we have to be this thing. We have to be the church. Yeah, that seems really important. Well, yeah. and when you when you say this too, it's all, it it seems like a good time to bring up that you've always insisted, and I have adopted. I think based on your mentorship that the word we're looking for is expansive. Hmm. And that's meant a lot to me. And to me, and it may mean something different to me than it means to everyone at this table, but to me, you know, expansive means embracing ideas that are good and true and beautiful, sort of regardless of where they come from. And sometimes they may align with traditionally conservative values, or they may align with some traditionally progressive values. But I think, and I think, I hope more often they represent maybe a third way that doesn't fit it into any particular ideological rut. And that through honest exploration with other people of good faith, we can, uh, we can unify around something that's a little bit different, but that is truly resonant. Yeah. That's, that's what I sort of take to me as, as expansive. And I hope Faith Matters is that rather than, like you said, rather than conservative or, uh, or progressive, like I would love for it to be sort of outside the, that ideological. Oh, yeah. That's frames. Yeah. Something Bill, that you voice challenge us to do in conversation is is ask ourselves if if the if the conversation is opening up onto something else or if it's constricting and i that has been the most dependable litmus test for me because you know there's something about having the singular right answer that that does feel like it closes something even if you are positive that you have the only right answer it does it feels smaller and it feels divisive and there is something that really resonates and and you know gives you that soul swelling and sprouting and growing feeling when when it opens up and it and it and i think expansive is the is the word for that and that's something we're always looking for for every every difficult conversation that we have that's like that's the energy we're trying to find and and the guests and and maybe we can talk about the advisory board right now for a second but we we are constantly searching for people who are doing that in their field. And I, I think that's, they have so much to do with why faith matters is what it is. Yeah. I'm, I, I see that in you guys. I see that oh. the fruits of that in your lives. And I think you, we feel like teaching each other on this journey. Right. But, but um, if there are 
two more, like you embody that idea of expansiveness in like oh, this beautiful you. way. And it's like, I, I mean, the fact that we met you and that Zach has now come into our orbit, but by the way, I should like, I, I should say, this is my part of the story. If, if I talk to the other co-founders, which my wife's not here, well, there's only one chair and I'm like representing <laughs> my, my brother, David and Kristen, his wife, like we've all been David and Kristen, uh, David and Kristen and Susan and I have been on this journey for a long time, yeah. right? We've been confidants and, and uh, we've had lots of lots of late night conversations over the years. So this is um, they're very much partners in what we're doing here. So yeah. I'm, I, I, I'll try to reflect them as well as I can. But I their, their story is slightly different than mine, too. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay. Aubrey, but, I, um, oh, go ahead, I love your point about staying open to truths that can bless your life. And there's a phrase that I often keep in mind that with our the truths that we're committed to, we should be wholehearted, but half sure. Oh, I love that. Mm. I love that. And I don't think it has to mean, you know, you're uncertain about everything in life, but it's keeping yourself a little open to evolving or growing everything that you think you understand about, about the world. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, I, I just pulled up the, uh, the faith matters about page, which I think it does. A, I mean, this is sort of evolving. Like this has had little tweaks to it here and there over the years. Um, but I think it does a pretty good job expressing what we're about. And maybe at least we could read a few segments here. But the very first thing you'll see in bold is Faith Matters Foundation aims to create a space in which an expansive, radiant approach to the restored gospel can be considered and discussed. I think I think that is what I've, I feel like this is, this is all about, you know. Uh, and we haven't even talked about that phrase, creating a space. Mm, but yeah. I will say, like, some of the most meaningful feedback that I feel like we've gotten in, you know, in podcast reviews or uh, in, you know, personal messages or whatever. And by the way, just shout out. Thank you, everyone that has ever written a review on the podcast or um, or left a rating. I know that's like our call out every single time we finish a podcast. But it really does. I mean, A, from a practical perspective, it definitely helps um, just more people know about it and know what we're about. But also it keeps us going like in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. Thank you. Really, really super rewarding to read those. I mean, like, and maybe we'll get to that, but the effect really like there's the effect that we're having is what's really important. Right. So ultimately what effect is this having on the community of believers on the world? So maybe we'll come back to that, but yeah, go ahead. And and just what I was going to say is that it is really meaningful to me. And I've, I've read several that have said that they have felt like we've helped create a space. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, for whatever reason, I and mean, we've felt this way too, but like people at various times in their life, it's very easy to feel marginalized or squeezed culturally or whatever and feel like there's not space. And to the extent Faith Matters can help with that, I'm, that's something that is really meaningful to me. Um, the other part of this page that, man, is really awesome is this B.H. Roberts quote. Do you think we should? Yeah, let's read that. I okay. love it. Yeah. This, is, this has been part of our mission statement from yeah. day one. And every time I read it, it's just like, that's, that's it right there. Okay. So he said, I believe Mormonism and that's in quotes affords opportunity for thoughtful disciples who will not be content with merely repeating some of its truths, but will develop its truths. The prophet planted the germ truths of the great dispensation of the fullness of times, the disciples of Mormonism growing discontented with the necessarily primitive methods, which have hitherto prevailed in sustaining the doctrine will yet take profounder and broader views of the great doctrines committed to the church and departing from mere repetition repetition will cast them in new formulas. 
until they help to give to the truths received a more forceful expression and carry it beyond to the earlier and cruder stages of its development. Um, Yeah, I love that. And so what we really did, um, I think, at Faith Matters, in, in, in starting Faith Matters, we went out we, we, we were aware, we'd become aware of these voices that were doing exactly that, right? Mm-hmm. And so we thought, why don't we, can we bring them together like almost collaboratively and create something together, right? So we, we created an advisory board, which it's like, it's, um, it's, it's a remarkable group of people. I mean, maybe you want to, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Let's, yeah. let's run through them really quick. Yeah, Tom Christofferson, uh, Fiona Givens, Steve Young, Darius Gray, Melissa Inouye, Terrell Givens, Patrick Mason, uh, Phil Barlow, Thomas McConkie, Jody Moore, Mally Bonner, MacArthur Krishna, Thomas Griffith, Jacob Hess, Charles Randall Paul, Jay Griffith, Rosalind Welch. Yeah, and we since added like Bethany Spaulding. This yes. was a, um, a, just a remarkable group of people who are doing that exact kind of work. And so we said, yeah. well, let's, let's bring these together and see what we can create together. And so, you know, thank you to them for, cause we're in, we just finished a retreat with them and it was amazing. And like we, it, you get all those people in a room together and good <laughs> stuff happens. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, you get to see another side of them, you know, that you may not have seen before. Terrell was interesting. So well, the, the very first person that we talked to was, was Phil Barlow and Phil, for, uh, for those of you who don't know Phil and his work, like he's just, a, he's a very quiet amazingly wise and good soul. And he, he wrote, he published some things that were really, really helpful to me when I was like in your situation. Right. And he was at, he was at Harvard too. And he, when he's publishing most of that stuff, but he now, uh, he, he became, uh, the, um, head of the, uh, head of Mormon studies at Utah state. And is now at the Maxwell Institute at BYU, but love, love Phil. But so, um, yeah, when I was a student at Harvard Divinity School, I was there for three years. Okay. And on the stairwell to go up to my classes, almost every time, there's a picture of Phil Barlow. Oh, really? Really? When he was about 25, 26, (laughs) standing kind of in the snow with a coat on. And I would pass by Phil, be like, ah, that's the Latter-day Saint that preceded me. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I love Phil. Um, Terrell, Terrell Givens, Terrell and Fiona become really good friends. We spent a lot of time together. And, uh, Terrell has a particular, like, you might get a particular impression of Terrell, you know, from his <laughs> public appearance or his writing, but he's, he's really funny and he's like a lot of, a lot of fun and the best storyteller I've ever been around someday, just get a couple of Diet Cokes in him and like, <laughs> and wind him up and have him tell stories. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, this, I think the, the community of people we've put together around this is, has been remarkable and really, really helpful. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a great group of people. And they disagree. Oh, I think yeah. That was the thing that was so interesting to me. Like you get them all in the room and everybody has a wildly different opinion usually. And, and that's okay. Like they, I, I feel like I've learned so much from seeing them really hash something out together and be really open to changing their minds. And, and that's why I love just like coming back to this idea that the church is community, that we are the church. Because when you think of the church as a singular person or a singular hierarchy, then the question about whether you are already in a toxic relationship is 
is a really big deal. Like that might be the only question that you have the bandwidth to right. to deal with. And if if the church is community, then you have all of these other hard questions that you get to wrestle with and that are going to stretch and grow you. And and I feel like being with these people and and asking them our hardest questions has really helped us to learn how to do that. Learn how to instead of handing our agency over to someone who's in charge, we when you think of the church as your community, you're, you're, you really have to wrestle with every single hard question in, in, in a way that is, that feels like it must be the purpose of life because yeah. what, what could be more important than, than the way that hurts? Like, and, and the way that you have to stretch and reach and trust, it's a, it's a totally different and, and very complex kind of faith. I, I think that we're going to see the gifts that the church, the unique gifts that, you, that the church offers the world, that our church offers the world, may not be as 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 apparent now as I think they will be. And one of the things that that one of our gifts is exactly what you just pointed out, like the ability to uh, coexist and find brotherhood and transcend the kinds of differences that are fracturing our country right now. Like it's it's like a discipline, right? We're we're we show up every week and every, like, or, or even more often to do just this kind of work with people that we, that we're around. And it's really, it, it, it may not have been so obvious why that's important, but it's becoming more obvious, obvious now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I really appreciate that the church has given me that like discipline and exercise. I, when we moved to Midway, when Susan and I moved to Midway, um, I may have shared this story with you, but, uh, in one of the very first, it was high priest group back then, but like, you know, eldest quorum, we'd call it eldest quorum now. I sat down with this new group of members and I was just like kind of feeling out the room and seeing like who's in here. And there's one fellow that, that, um, made a comment and he, he, like, I, I heard his comment and immediately thought, okay, well, he and I are probably not ever going to be <laughs> like great friends. Like it, his worldview is, is, is different than mine. And, and, and then this is what the church does, right? So at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we have uh, four cannery assignments to fulfill uh, and this week. And, so, and and of course, this guy's hand shot up. It was his first hand. And and I'm like, okay, well, then I'm in too, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that meant that we – and I knew as soon as I raised my hand, that means we ride down together, down to the valley. And uh, and then we work together and we'll see what, we'll see what happens. So, you know, I found – so like this is such a dear person and he and I will never agree probably on politics and certain things but but we're like forever friends i love this i love this guy and um we need to and that's that's like taught me to it's almost like when somebody has a certain flag up, you know, instead of like letting me feel like that comes between me and them i want to actually go talk to that person and i want to like because my experience is like when you when you can actually have a conversation, you can transcend these these differences. The yeah. ones that we we've we've created these differences and they're dividing us more and more. I mean, it's one way of many ways that I think that the church is going to really bless what we're doing is really going to bless the world. Yeah. So I think that's what we try to do. Like even in our advisory board, like lots of different lots of differing philosophies and opinions come together and and it's just like it's fascinating. I love it. And I think some of the most meaningful episodes have been when we've been talking about uh, topics that are 
may may easily be really divisive. They're, they're the ones that feel like we're mm. tiptoeing and they're really hard to talk about. I, I think those end up being the most meaningful, even if we're wrong. Like even if we miss the mark, I think it's so it, it feels so good to, to and so hard to just get in the mess of the conversation and say something, you know, without having without coming down on a on a with a with an opinion that you're going to defend till you die. You know, it's hard, it's hard to have a conversation when you haven't formed an opinion yet. And you're trying to understand like that, that's, that's hard to do out loud because you're going to, you're going to do it wrong. And I, and we have so many advisors and, and guests who've been willing to do that, to, to come on and say the thing they're thinking about, but aren't sure about and be willing to just talk about it and think about it yeah. more and, and open and open up instead of really, you know, dig in and defend the thing that they have decided. Yeah. I think that's one reason why we've had such a positive response, um, especially with you two as hosts. I think we have a lot of people who listen to every episode, even if they're not interested in that episode's topic, but because they feel a spirit of love and curiosity and honest exploration that feels very, very not only safe, but empowering um, of each person to explore truth for themselves. That's okay. That's very kind. Yeah. I, I hope that when we, you know we left off talking about how Faith Matters is trying to create this space, like that—that that to me is the space that I was so hungry for. It was that that was like the special, the Sunday school class that's much smaller, where you can, re, where it's really okay to open up and ask a question that's really on your mind. Yeah, you I know. Think- Sorry. Yeah. No, that, that's off, it. Like, like that, that, that's what I hope we're doing. I think there comes a time in most people's lives at some point where you're, they're tired of hearing answers, you know, and just like having, having whatever it is handed to them on a silver platter and exploration. Yeah, I don't think becomes, that's why we're here. Yeah. Exploration <laughs> becomes much more interesting. Yeah. And I hope people get that sense from us too, that we're not, we're not coming into this space thinking that we have the answers and we're going to, we're going to show uh, people that consume the content or we're going to show the church or anybody, you know, the way to do it. It is an exploration. It, it comes from, it does come from a, a true place of, of yeah. curiosity. And I love that we're engaging people outside of our tradition too. One of our uh, founding principles is that and this is back when, when we wrote this, this was okay to say this Mormonism is not about Mormonism, right? It's that's not what, but it, we can really make it that we can spend all of our time, thinking about who we are and dissecting it. And like, it was never about that. It's always been about transformation. And if it's not like right now, if, if the four of us didn't feel like we were being transformed by our experience in this, like with faith matters and with the faith itself, would we still be doing it? Like, I feel like it's, and it's, and the thing about our faith is it's not just about personal transformation. It's about like this communal transformation, the really hard thing. Right. And yeah, I, I, I think that we really can reach out. We're at a point in the history of the world now where we can reach out and, and learn things, not just like, not just engage things, but actually learn from other traditions and other people. There's like this really rich thing. This is part of our, needs to be part of our DNA. But if we're always focused in on Mormonism as Mormonism, we'll never get that. And so I think this is what you guys do beautifully. I love that. I love the, I love the way you do it. I love the, and it's an earnest enterprise, right? So we're more and more, we are engaging people from outside our faith. Um, Zach being in Boston, that, that like uh, opens up a whole new world is really fun. 
And um, we've already had some great results from that. It's going to be fun to see. Zach's going to stay in Boston. We need an East Coast presence. Um, I think the other thing about Faith Matters that's like really important. It's it's not just a – there are a lot – there are different ways of knowing things. Mm -hmm. And somehow we privilege – you notice we privilege like smart people. We Mm -hmm. privilege rational discourse over – but our faith has never done that, right? Yeah, there's like – there's this balance between um, intellectual kind of rational engagement and intuitive spiritual engagement that like – I think we're trying to strike at Faith Matters too. It's really, we started this, um, one of the very, one of our very earliest engagements was with Thomas McConkie and Thomas became my teacher to, to taught me meditation. And he has a, a great deal, a great deal to say about, you know, how we develop as human beings and even institutions. But that, that component of learning how to contemplate, how to, how to meditate, like became really nourishing for me, really, really helpful. And so one of the things that – one of the many things that we're trying to do is like we need to give space for a contemplative tradition to oh, emerge right. in our faith, right? And so we've tried to do that. Like that's been one of the things that we do. I, I don't know. Is anybody else doing that? Like that is one of the things we do. And I think the world needs that. Like right now we we need that as a people. If there was ever a time – when we need to get out of our heads. So we need to be careful, like as a faith matters team, not to get, not to be in our heads too much. Isn't that like, that was, uh, that's always been my problem. That's always been my issue. I don't know how about you. I don't know you guys, but like, that's it. Yeah. And um, we have like this really rich embodied theology and you know, why are we getting lost in our heads? And yeah. everyone is like, this is the scourge of our, of our generation. Well, and like with, like, I think like with anything else, it's, it's not a matter of leaving your head behind either. It's the, it's the non-dualistic approach because I think the danger in any organization, if you leave your head behind totally is, you know, the end result of that is probably a cult, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you need, you need to bring, I mean, and I think Thomas would say it's, it's mind and heart and body. Of course. You know, I don't, and I, I'm not necessarily the best to even describe what the difference between heart and body are, you know, but I know that there, I have felt deeply in this work that there is something um, far beyond the rational, the rational mind. That's a very important way of knowing, but at the same time, we, we don't try to leave the mind behind. Yeah. But how many times have you accused yourself of, gosh, I'm too lost in my heart right now. <laughs> right. right. No, <laughs> like, very, yeah, very seldom yeah. happens. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. I think, I think something that really emerged early on in our, in this crisis of faith was just this, um, like I, the idea of, of, of faith development became really important because mm. I, just didn't even have language for the experience. And, and I think there's a stage where you kind of, the pendulum swings so far. And the only thing that you will count is, is what comes from your mind. You get, you only, you start only believing experiences that you can, you can prove. And, and there's this, I think over time you sort of start reintegrating that part of yourself. And, and I think there is a stage where you really do kind of have to dig in and you deal with the messy facts and you, you kind of lose that part of yourself for a little bit, but, but then there's this really beautiful reintegration. And I I hope that's what we, what we're, what we're modeling that, that it, all of those, all of those pieces are part of you and all of those pieces bring you to God. But I, I think it's, I think it's developmental. Like there, there are definitely stages where it just some of those things seemed valueless, and I couldn't see it any other way. But you grow through that, and and I feel like these these guests have really helped show me how to do that. 
Yeah. I found that really helpful too, Aubrey. Um, you hear it often with people going through a faith crisis. And I think I felt the same thing too, that you wish you could go back to believing the way you yeah. used to go back to that sense Quincy. of certainty. Yeah. But I think uh, faith matters. A lot of the faith matters um, conversations have shown me and made it more clear, just like with you, that you want to go forward you want to go forward to growth, forward to more love, more joy, more understanding, more life. And I, th so I, th I think that that framework has been really helpful. And I, I, th I see that as part of our role is providing resources for people who understand that faith is a journey. Mm -hmm. It is not an either or thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Tell me what you think of this. I, I also think that we're sort of, we're reaching the end of a secular age. Where secularism meant it was like it, it was the standard by which you. The new atheists it. are no longer new. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I was thinking of the new atheists, like a couple of them are dead. Well, you got, you got like, the, but you've got, um, so yeah, you Hitchens, got well, Dawkins. You got Hitchens, Dinker. Is, is Dennis still around? He's Dennis, still around. Yeah. Okay, so, so nobody's listening to Dawkins anymore. He's like, you know, like, He's just complaining on Twitter. Right. Yeah. And that's like the rest of us. Like the rest of us. <laughs> and, and then you got, they got Sam Harris has now become a spiritual guru, right? He's founded a whole, like, what is it called? I'm actually a subscriber. So I should waking know. up. Yeah. Waking up the whole waking up thing. Um, and uh, so he's like, he's finding spirituality and ex like basically admitting the secular, like the secular enterprise ends up in death. It ends up in this flat world and we like, we actually need an enchanted world. Like even, even science tells us the world is much stranger fundamentally than we can imagine that it is. Like we think that this, this interface that we enjoy, uh, enjoy of space time, you know, the way the, that our brains perceive the world, we think that's reality. And it, like scientists already know that's not reality. We're only seeing a small section of it. So we, why can't we imagine that things are much stranger than we mm. – like, why can't we realize that much, things, things are stranger than we imagine? That's why I was so fascinated when you were interviewing Noah Feldman, you and, and uh, Terrell. And, and there's like – if there's anyone – like he's the, most, he's the most brilliant of the brilliant, right? Even Harvard, he's like a uh, – you know, he's, he's a step above. And he's kind of come to that same place in his life. You can feel that, right? And he's, he was raised – uh, a modern Orthodox Jew. And he's like, and he's, and as we're exploring, like, what does our faith, he's very familiar with Mormonism. What does our faith offer? And he's like, well, like an enchanted worldview for one thing, mm -hmm. you know, there are more people that believe in angels now in the world than ever before. So secularity has already turned mm -hmm. the corner, right? We, we, uh, I, I love that about our faith. I love that, that we believe actually things that are hard to believe. Mm -hmm. Right. And, 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 they've produced these fruits and you're like, okay, there's, so I'm, I'm just, I'm fascinated by that. And I love that, um, that we're trying to strike that balance. Yeah. yeah. Should we move into, um, sort of from a very practical perspective where faith matters is going from here? Um, you know, people, if they were listening to this, obviously you know about the podcast, we published four books, which is exciting more and more to come a couple that I'm, I think all of us are very excited about. 
Um, we published a course. The long-awaited, the long-awaited Thomas McConkie yes. book, which is fantastic. And then Jennifer Finlayson Fife's writing one that, as we speak, and yes, on a, on a super interesting subject. So yeah, totally. Um, we published one course as well, uh, Transformations of Faith, with more, with also with more to come. Yeah, literally super more to come. Yeah, <laughs> which, which, by the way, like. I happen to think is like one of the greatest things we've done. Not, transformations. Transformations. Yeah. Of faith. That course. It's I've, remarkable. But a lot of time I, I've, I've, I've spent like silent retreats using that material and it's transformational. I love, yeah. I love what we've done there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of that. Um, well, and for that. me, um, reading Patrick Mason's restoration yeah. book was one of the big pieces that this is a remarkable organization. This book is so short and so powerful. Yeah. Totally. Telling Fiona's book, All Things New, basically, you know, examining our vocabulary and say what mm-hmm. we need to enrich. That's what, that's what um, B.H. Roberts is saying here. Let's take these ideas and develop them. And that's, that's what they did in that book is I, I, our publishing efforts. Like it's kind of funny. People just assume that if we publish it, that must be our view, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not necessarily the case. I think the, I think the ideas, the core ideas behind the books that we published are really important to throw into the discussion are super important. The latest book, Catherine Sontag's book, for example, she's, and you know, she lays out this in this very beautiful, um, almost poetic way, uh, like this very provocative idea about our divine mother and how, how we can experience that in our lives. But they're also, they're also meant to be disruptive. Like these books are, they're not meant to make us comfortable. Like a religion I love the who 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 was it that said like religion exists to comfort the afflicted and to yeah. afflict the comfortable yeah. and we like I I think there will always be something in we do that challenges us right so we don't expect everybody to agree with you know mm-hmm. with what's written in these book but we feel like they're really important um, topics to throw into into the, into the universe so I'm really proud of everything we've done on that on yeah, that front too. yeah and they've done well they've been so well received it's been exciting yeah. this this raises a point that we spoke about earlier, but there's a danger in being a centrist organization, which is that you don't ever make your own choices. You just calibrate yourself between the poles. Mm-hmm. Right. And some people have asked me, Oh, you guys are pretty centrist. And I said, well, it depends. And I think on some topics, there's been an admirable boldness and audacity that I've seen there's been an admirable boldness in the willingness to press forward on some topics. So I think with Heavenly Mother, Faith Matters has been so you know, supportive of making sure that we all do develop a mother tongue. Mm. Um, and I think that shows that we are not just trying to be comfortable and safe. We're, we're going forward in the ways that we think are important. Yeah. Occasionally we get feedback that um, like a particular guest is – like, why did you have them on your show? Like, like, like there's some orthodoxy test that a guest needs to meet to like, to, to be, to come into conversation with us. We don't have those. If they have an important perspective, like we're going to engage that topic. One, one interesting thing too, is that on, on the most, um, device, like potentially divisive conversations, we almost always get criticized for the same thing from two, from opposite sides. Yeah. And which is, which is interesting because that's a, I'm, it, that's very uncomfortable for me, but, but it's in, a, in some ways kind of reassuring, like the, this is, we're, we're in the middle of something that's really hard. And so there are people who will feel up in arms 
for the same reason that someone on the other side of the aisle will feel up in arms. And usually it happens in the same conversations. And so I, I, I know that's the, that's what we're accepting is going to happen when we, when we get in the middle of these things. But I, I like, I think it's important to challenge ourselves to be, to being open to someone sitting across the table from you and saying something that you really disagree with and trying to figure out why, because over and over and over again, we've left feeling like we understand each other in a way that I, I complete, I can completely respect. Like, even if there's still like real disagreement, I feel like I totally respect where they're coming from. And I think it's helpful to have this imaginary audience watching a conversation because you, you listen to yourself and you think about, you know, how you're responding. And if you're actually listening or are you talking over the person and, and like, that's a temptation. So it's helpful to have this, to know that, you know, someone is going to hear how you're actually listening and digesting and, and like conversing with someone that is saying something challenging, but, but it's, it's been such a beautiful practice to realize that like almost every time you leave with just so much respect and, and with, with this realization that you, you really have the same values, like they're showing up differently, but like you are rooted in the same values and you can, there's nothing, you don't need any qualifiers about respecting that. Yeah. And you have, you two have a gift for having those kinds of conversations. And I like, can I just say like, I'm so thrilled that you, that the three of you are very much a part of everything we do. Actually, you do almost all of it. And I love that. (laughs) Yeah. We have a good, we have a really good team. Um, but, um, I, I, I just figured like, if we can't, if, if our religion can't continue to engage people like you, who I consider the best and the brightest, and I mean best in ways like I, you're just deeply good people and brightest, not only intellectually, but like the spirit that comes from you. Um, like if we can't like keep people like you engaged, then we, you know, we, we have a problem. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's just, I mean, just associating with you and getting to, like we we send each other lots of texts and we have lots of conversations. It's just it's just really fun, and we want to create that we want to create that community like on a large scale because it feels yeah. great. Which is like one of the reasons why it's going to be nice to be able to gather. One of the things we've always wanted to do. In fact, the very first thing that we the Faith Matters did is at Utah State University we did this conference. We sponsored this conference on translation. Right? It was like this word of translation, which we think we've always thought meant this, it actually could mean this. Mm-hmm. And hundreds of people showed up, like five, 600 people. And, and, and we had like, yeah, we had Richard Bushman and we had um, Terrell Givens and Patrick and, and Rosalind Welch and can't remember, like we had this, like this great, this great group of people uh, to come together around that. And if, so gathering, like it felt good to be able to talk in that, to, to mm-hmm. talk that way. Um, so, and, and then that, that got disrupted with COVID and we weren't able to execute on that portion of what we wanted to do. So we're excited to st- start doing that. Yeah. Zach, do you want to fill in some details maybe on the most exciting gathering that we have coming up? I think should we go you, there? Should, you should talk about Restore, Bill. I should. Haven't I? Sp- I think I've spoken plenty. <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, we we're going to have uh, we're going to have an event on October seventh and eighth, and we hope everybody can come and bring their friends, family, everyone, because this is going to be like a community experience. 
uh, it's, it's going to we're, we're going to be asking like some of the most interesting questions and bringing some of the best minds together to discuss those questions. Um, some of them will be challenging. A lot of it will just be inspiring. Um, we have uh, we're going to have a lot of music. And by the way, it's not like don't don't envision a panel discussion and a bunch of you know like scholars discussing. It will be much more conversational, and you'll you'll get to meet some of the I think some of the greatest minds and souls uh, that that our community you know has, and 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 then just meet other people that are super yeah. interesting. So mm-hmm. we've been wanting to do this for a long time, and it's we're going to have it um, in Salt Lake City on October seventh and eighth. That's um, do you want to talk about like some of the people who are going yeah. to be involved? In yeah, this? I mean, incredibly exciting. Some of I think everybody's favorites. Thomas McConkie is going to speak to us and lead us lead in us some... in a guided meditation. Brian McLaren. Brian McLaren. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he's coming in. Terrell and Fiona. Patrick. All the. I mean, most of our favorites. Not all. Not everybody, but just about all the favorites. And, and Carolyn Pearson too. Yeah, uh, Molly Bonner. Molly's going to be a big part of it, and he's bringing his his whole family to sing the Bonner family. Uh, and the Unity Gospel Choir. Unity Gospel Choir. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have some like this. This is going to be your break from Protestant sit on your hands uh, hymn, <laughs> hymns. Like, we get plenty of that every week, so yeah. we're going to like mix it up a little bit. Um, yeah, and I would just say we we love our listeners. You are what sustain us. And the chance to be in the same building with you is mm-hmm. incredibly exciting for us. Yeah. I think maybe one of the things that Tim and I at least hear more than anything else is pe- people will reach out often and just say uh, they feel really isolated in their ward or whatever their community looks like. They feel like they're the only one asking these questions. And and I don't think that's true, but I know that it feels – I know how that, that feels. And, I mean, we feel that way. I love hearing from listeners because – it, it's really rejuvenating to feel connected with someone who's resonating with your same questions. And so I, I hope that gathering will actually really just be, it just bring, I think it brings a lot of peace to just literally be sitting in the same room with people who are thinking about and talking about the things that feel most important to you. So I, I'm excited for that. Yeah. For that part. Like it, it gives you such a sense of belonging to just be with someone. Yeah. So you can learn more and register by going to Faith Matters website, uh, faithmatters.org slash restore. Uh, I think I'd also really like to share one more initiative. It's oh, exciting. Yeah. Um, By all means. And that is that Faith Matters is going to be launching a publication where we can have writing and art uh, from writers that can inspire and nourish. It's going to be called Radiant. And we're also going to launch it at Restore at the conference in October. But you can go ahead and sign up and learn a little bit more at radiantmagazine.org. It's very exciting. Awesome. I think I've been just very encouraged by the response that we've been getting from from people. And we get a lot of responses. And, you know, I, I, we, I don't think we've yet to get one that says, thanks to you, like, I'm disengaging with my relationship with Christ and the gospel and the church. You know, we, what we get is like almost entirely the opposite and, and lots of messages. I don't know if like maybe we, we actually compiled a bunch of them and I was reading through them like, man, this is really having a powerful and positive effect. And um, 
if if it's not, we're like we're not hearing about it. So maybe, yeah. but it it's it's like super rewarding. If I I feel like if we weren't getting that kind of response from people, and then yeah, then I would I would rather be playing more golf because I don't get to golf a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> something in this last interview that we had with Thomas McConkey, he said a lot of people and we hear this a lot too. They 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 come to him with this idea that, you know, you were born into this, into this tradition. And so you have a responsibility to get out there and see what else you're missing. Anybody who just showed, you know, who, who, who didn't choose Mormonism, you got to go figure out what you're missing. And he, he said, you know, what if we entertained the opposite truth? Like, what if you have a responsibility to this tradition because you were born into it, because you're the power of, of, of your own ancestry is, is flowing through you and it it is your native tongue. And so if you're not going to, help it become its best self and, and help this restoration forward than, than who else will. And that, when he, that felt to me like a religious experience when he said yeah. that, I really feel that like it, we're here because it is our mother tongue. And like that, that's, a, it's okay for that to be the reason all by yeah. itself. Sometimes like, this is just where I was planted. And we're not the only project God has going on exactly. in the world. Like, yeah. like God is doing amazing things elsewhere. Did you see the web telescope the other day? <laughs> Sending no. back images. I like, Un- unbelievable like we're seeing 13 billion years like these amazing pictures of wow. 13 billion years back in time and like that whole project that's god's project too yeah. right like, we have like our sp- like a project that i think is super important but it's not god's only project we really need to partner when we talk about like searched f- fixed foot and searching mm-hmm. foot like let's expand that not only in what we can learn from other people, but how we can partner with mm-hmm. people. We have big problems in the world and it sometimes can be a little despairing and we can't even come close to doing any of it ourselves. So, um, yeah, but I, I, I just, I love the way you, you express that for sure. Yeah. And I, I think that part of that responsibility looks like talking about our own little problems too, because when you feel defensive, you can't, you can't even look outside. Like you're too defensive to take any good from outside of your own community because you're, you're, you feel like you, what you have might be taken away. And so Mm -hmm. I think once you, once you acclimate to the idea that like you can have your own problems and there are beautiful things here, it doesn't, it doesn't have to always be either or, because that's, I think what it feels like in the beginning that like, Mm. you might have to give it all away if this isn't as perfect as you thought it was. Once you get used to this idea that like there's ugly stuff and and there are good fruits and we can pick out what's beautiful and makes, and make something more beautiful out of that, then, then it just, you lower the drawbridge, like Patrick says, and you, and you start letting in all of the beautiful things from outside of your tradition. It's okay to like widen that searching foot. And sometimes acknowledging the problems that you're experiencing in your own, uh, in your own community can actually unite you in a weird way with others. Because like with Brian McLaren, for example, when he came on and shared his experience about what's sort of what life is like these days in evangelical Christianity, it's like, man, like these are human, these are human issues, Absolutely, you know, and we have our own expressions of them within each, within each tradition. Um, But like everyone that's, at least within within this specific topic, you know, everyone that's li- living a life of faith to some extent is experiencing the same things we're experiencing in yeah. in the Latter Day Saint tradition. Yeah, and uh, and I, yeah. I I see like I see God's fingerprints and human fingerprints. Yes, about in equal proportions. Sometimes a little more of the you know one than the other. Shot through everything yeah. that 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 we've, you know, everything about our religion and everything about our tradition. Um, 
It's that, that that's the way it's supposed to be. I actually embrace that. Like we've made big mistakes, you know, and we'll probably make more, but um, we're doing something like we're builders, you know, we take risks and we have faith and we, yeah, we, we kind of think about these things that seem unreasonable. We believe these things that are unreasonable and act in, in the world and try to, you know, like I, I love that about, about faith in general. We build temples on swamps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, like, you, go ahead, Bill. Uh, so, I mean, I like being builders. Like yeah. I yeah. love I love building something. Hopefully we're building something here that's really useful. Um well, and, and oh go ahead. I mean sitting back and and you know, being critics, that's like the easy way out, you know. And so Yeah. Yeah. I that's exactly what I really saying. liked what you were saying, Aubrey, about becoming whole enough to then be open. And what draws me so much to our mission and our work is, is the calling to help heal people that Jesus heals people. And we need to help extend Jesus's love um, and healing power. And I, I think it's important that through the work that we do, we help heal people in their relationship with, with God and with the church, and then they can be yeah. agents of healing. Yeah. And I, I love that because I, there was a review recently that, meant so much to me and it said some it was it was very kind but there was one part that said there, there's no stone throwing here and that that means a lot because i think healing part of healing is diagnosing a problem you know like you have to be honest about an infection like you have to be honest about what's going on but it's so much easier to just point out all of the problems and move on and and i hope that that what we're doing goes beyond that. Can I can I just read that because you actually texted oh, sure. it to me? This little review it says <laughs> really like this review. <laughs> yeah, it's a great one. Well, it's I, the most recent one I think. So it just happens to be. But he says, um, you know, yeah, faith matters is the standard that sets the standard. So that's a little overstatement. No other <laughs> podcast does more to engage questions surrounding the LDS faith with nuance, rigor, compassion, and love. The hosts have jumped into virtually every difficult and controversial issue, and critically, they refuse to accept easy answers when such answers do not present themselves. And somehow they do it all with grace, humor, and kindness. They allow just as much space for church leaders as they do for other guests. No stone throwing here. This is, instead, the very best of us, wrestling hard ideas and accepting when they are hard. That's a pretty good well, yeah, that's pretty good. That's I'll cool. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. And again, just like everyone that's written those those kind things to us. Thank you so much. It, like really, it, we read every sing, every single one. This is a and, passion and project, a not a <clears throat> not a um, not a paid gig. Yes. Oh, this so, is all been, we, like we should have. Really yeah, does. this has been <clears throat> all uh, all volunteer effort from everybody on the board. Um, Zach, excitingly, is our very first full time hire. And so, I mean, not only that, but everyone sitting at this table has given substantial resources to this effort. So not only time, but yeah. like many. So, yeah. Um, so just like, thank you, Tim and Aubrey, for doing what you're doing and becoming like so good at it. And Zach, um, our first, like, it's time to, it's time to professionalize this organization. <laughs> <laughs> hard, yes. hard to imagine it being any more than it already is. No, we're so we're excited really to excited. have Zach. He, his, the background that he, he brings both. Uh, philosophically, but also the expertise that you have in media is it just was a perfect fit. And when you first came to our board meeting and just sat down with us, I think there was an immediate sort of unanimity, like we need to get Zach involved and we're, we couldn't be more excited to have you. And happened at exactly the right time. Yeah. And um, 
which seems to happen, right? Yeah. So just, yeah. Welcome. Welcome aboard, man. So happy. So, so joyful to be a part of this wonderful mission. Yeah. And maybe I'll just say it to close. When I was in business school, Mitt Romney came to, uh, came to one of my classes and I was like really struggling trying to, trying to figure out what my career was going to look like. It was getting close to graduation. And I actually got the chance to ask him, like, what do you, what do you think? And he said, he, he's always guided his career on two things. Make sure you, and number one was, uh, make sure you're working on something interesting and do it with, and number two was do it with people you like. And I definitely think we're, we're meeting those two. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say, love you guys. I'll love you the most. <laughs> love you guys too. But it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun to see what comes out of this. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much to each of you for tuning into this conversation. We hope that it was helpful. And as always, we want to thank you for your support of Faith Matters. Registration for the Restore Conference is now open, like we mentioned in the episode. So head to faithmatters.org slash restore to purchase tickets. And please feel free to share it with your friends and family. We think that this gathering will be really special and we would love to have as many people participate as possible. Thanks as always for listening. And remember that you can check out more at faithmatters.org.